The band Great Awakening has quite a story. They watched as God used a group of high school students to lead worship at a small youth group that quickly grew to hundreds of kids and a national touring schedule. I was privileged to sit down with founding member of the band, Zach Genicello, to talk about songwriting, Christian music, the band's story, and more. That's today on the CMB Podcast, Session 44. Welcome to the CMB Podcast, a podcast designed to serve people of faith who make music. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you in your musical craft, then look no further. ChristianMusicBlog.com is all about helping you think differently about creativity through eyes of faith as you learn how to establish healthy musical habits and disciplines, fueling your creativity and making you more prolific for the glory of God. And now your host, Nate Fancher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 44th session of the Christian Music Blog Podcast. It's good to be with you again. We are all about serving Christian musicians in their journey of music making through eyes of faith. Here at CMB, we cover a variety of subjects that matter to you if you fit in that category, if you're looking to grow in your artistic craft, if you're looking to develop a deeper understanding of making music from a biblical worldview, then I invite you to join us here at CMB. We are all on that same journey together. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I invite you to check out christianmusicblog.com slash gift. And there you'll see a gift that I have for everyone who listens to the podcast, just my way of simply saying thanks for checking out CMB today. So again, that's christianmusicblog.com slash gift. All right, so here we are on the 44th session of the podcast. Really stoked to have Zach Genicello here in the studio with me today. And um, I always love doing it like this rather than doing it over um, Skype. So, um, so Zach, thanks for being on the podcast, man. And thanks for letting me come on. Yeah, man. So um, Zach um, is a buddy of mine. We actually met um, through a, a mutual friend, Matt, if you're listening to this, Matt Lapara. Um, let's just uh, start from the beginning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your your story of faith in Christ and how that led to music making? Sure. And um, yeah, sh- share with the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you're currently doing as well. Sure. Well, um, I'm 23 years old, and I I grew up here in North Carolina with um, in a Christian home. My dad uh, was really prominent in raising us in the Lord and in the faith, and uh, so I, I grew up. Um, in church and, uh, you know, trying to, I, uh, we came from a charismatic Pentecostal kind of background. So, um, a little bit different, uh, theological experience. And, um, but, uh, one thing that I really gleaned from that, even from when I was a kid was the worship, you know, in those circles was often so, uh, it just touched me as a kid. I seem it seemed to be so passionate and so genuine and, that always just moved me. And then uh, in our family, we there was a lot of music in our family already. And so um, I had some pretty significant experiences as a kid through worship. And um, I even think it was probably a way the Lord really touched my heart just because something about my genetics or the way I'm wired, you know, I am a kind of a an emotionally 
I can be an emotionally driven person. And so music is something that always touches the emotions so much. Hmm. And so I think it was even a, just a sweet touch from God to minister to me, even as a kid, before I really could comprehend all of what was happening and all the theology behind it about how um, music, God was calling me to that. And mm-hmm. so um, grew up in church. Eventually, uh, we uh, I made it into my uncle's youth group. He was a youth pastor. And I started, he challenged me in middle school just to start doing worship music. Cool. And I started uh, playing in the um, youth band in the basement. And uh, I was always in different kinds of bands and alternative music scenes and whatever. And he really challenged me to harness my energy and, you know, kind of intentionally go after worship songwriting. And I had a great group of friends through high school. The Lord really blessed me. And we were all musicians, and we kind of formed a uh, a little group in um, in high school called Great Awakening, and we started writing our own worship tunes just for our youth group and didn't really know where it would go or anything and eventually made an album and then a second album and met some people. And it went kind of... It, went, it, it got a little bigger than we expected, and so it was a sweet... A sweet thing um, that the Lord did and gave us. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to talk more about the band at some point here. Um, and I, I just thought of this now, particularly to come and live and that whole model of sure. the, the musicianary mm-hmm. and uh, that movement that seems to be just, you know, catching on even more. Mm-hmm. Um, you And you probably know a lot more about it than I do, so I'd love to hear how all that's going. But why don't we talk a little bit about songwriting first sure um can you tell us about your first song do you remember what that song was like or (laughs) well i started in i was probably 13 or 14 i started writing hardcore music okay and so if that counts as songwriting so could we understand the lyrics if you started no probably not (laughs) probably not so (laughs) maybe we'll fast forward part past that part um i remember my first song i did um that was that was goal it was geared towards the church and getting people to actually sing with us <laughs> mm. you know and um and that it kind of just um i remember just saying i want to just give it a try mm. you know and uh and not and i tried really hard i was always kind of wanting i always kind of wanted to be a um i have just always gravitated towards alternative music stuff that's not quite as in the um in the mainstream or whatever. So I said, I, I was just intentional about not wanting to have a lot of, um, rules mm-hmm. for it. So I tried, uh, just writing some, um, worship music and I just got a little journal and started writing out some things that I would feel towards the Lord, mm. you know, even in, uh, in my devotional times or whatever. And, um, and I just came up with some progressions and, uh, we started trying it out like in the youth group and it was really cool because it was almost, it was reflective of where the the Christian community there was at the time. And so a lot of that, I guess was, it started just out of my local experience and what was happening in our youth group and God moving there. That's awesome. And uh, that's Burlington, right? Yeah. Burlington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Burr Vegas. Burr Vegas. <laughs> um, so how so that was in high school and you yeah. started writing with the band right um, yeah. and you're I guess a, you're a young guy yeah earlier we were talking you're 23 yeah I'm 23 yeah that's cool 
That's weird. <laughs> I'm 10 years older than you are. <laughs> Don't think about it like that. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> it's wow. just a decade. It's just a decade. Thank yeah. you. It's just yeah, 10 years. Just a decade. No big deal. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your songwriting process? Like, how do you... Sure. Um, from beginning to end, like, cool. the initial idea, the seed of a song, all the way to even copywriting it, you know, sure. if you want to go that detailed. Sure. We were talking to, um, earlier a little bit about what is spontaneity, mm-hmm. and um, for just without getting into the philosophical discussion of what is spontaneity, yeah. I, I, I find that I'm kind of a spontaneous person in that I don't, I haven't approached songwriting like many say you should, and I, and I probably should, but as far as a dedicated kind of time where I'm going to work on this, mm-hmm. I've just never given myself to that, and there's nothing wrong with that. My friend Cole is just prolific, and it's because he does that, and I think some of the best songwriters in the world do that. But for me, songwriting's always been um, something almost happening to me hmm. in a moment, kind of. It's like sometimes it's an idea. Sometimes um, I'm kind of a daydreamer. So I get a lot of stuff in the shower or in the car or oh, yeah. wherever, just just an idea or a thought. And it may even it may be a a musical progression, like and I'll and I'll just sing a note into my phone so I don't lose it. And is that Evernote? It's definitely Evernote. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes in Evernote. We may we may talk some more about that later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, you do that and Right. And so sometimes sometimes it's a lyric. So, or sometimes it's a whole thought. It's almost not even song form. It's like a, um, almost as if I was writing a little blog or something, hmm. just ideas or like a topic or something like that. But the key for me is to always get that stuff written down somewhere, mm-hmm. because I just find if I trust that I'll remember that later, I I will not. Yeah. So sometimes it starts as music. Some start. Sometimes it starts as words. And uh, some people I know are more prominent on one or the other. Sometimes it just it's either or for me. Yeah. And then I and then that's usually I usually follow it up with some intentional time about okay, I liked that idea. Let me see if I can hammer out something. And usually, man, like if something doesn't happen in about 20 minutes of me just messing around with that, I usually don't come back to it. Mm-hmm. I probably should. <laughs> but I don't. You know, sometimes it just happens and sometimes it doesn't. But the idea for me is to always get a bunch of ideas written down. Yeah. Just the basics. And that's not just even, I guess you have the audio files as well mm-hmm. as be, things that you've written. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry, I should say that. I mean, basically it's all, the iPhone is like the greatest songwriting tool I think we've ever been given just because of voice memos and Evernote and things like that. So it, it's all in in a in my phone. But um, yeah, and so I'll, I'll take some of those initial ideas, whether they be a lyric or a song progression. Sometimes I'll just hum it in my phone. And then I'll sit down with it and I'll try and strum it out and see if I can make any changes. And then usually if something starts taking off, it it turns into about four or five different sessions over time of, of um, me kind of cultivating that idea. And I'll usually get a rough skeleton one or two sessions in. And then I'll go back and say, all right, this is weak and start changing this or that. And then uh, one thing... My friend Cole really challenged me to start doing was start bringing that to people really early in the process, hmm. yeah. bringing in um, people whether to collaborate with or just critique to get feedback. Yeah, yeah. and um, if you can be big enough to handle that, you know, and <laughs> somebody yeah. telling you that part stinks, you know, yeah, or that's really great. You should you should explore that idea more. I find that's really a helpful process. Yeah, yeah. that that is huge. I know that. Um, 
I'm thinking of one song that I wrote one time. I was uh, much further along in the process of with that song, but it was, I felt like it was done. And then I remember hearing someone say something like what you just said, and I was like, oh, I guess I should definitely, before I, you know, stamp it as done, you know, go let someone hear it. And so there's a, there's a local guy here. I showed it to him, and I, was, I, and I wanted to be real open. I was like, hey, if you have any ideas, if you don't like anything, if you, have, if, you, if you think a whole line should be changed, a whole chord progression, whatever, you know, just really held it loosely. But um, and not not a whole lot was changed except just tweaking lyrics here and there, and it made the world a difference though. Like it does, man. Yeah. I mean, I I find so many times with a song, you know, at least me, I'm just so biased towards things I like, you know, whether because I have my own taste, and that part of that's part of the musical expression experience, right? Like this is me as an this is part of my identity, what I'm producing as an artist, but. Sometimes I really need that check from an outside person who hasn't, you know, been predisposed towards this guitar part I'm playing or this melody or hook that I've tried to incorporate in the song and can really at least give me somewhat more of an objective say on something, especially with content. Like, I find if you can find the right people, you got to find certain people that really think holistically about the song. But if man, if you can show someone your lyrical content and they're like, "How is this flowing together?" Mm-hmm. You know, they can. I've I've had so much help from people doing that with me and giving me honest feedback on that, where it's to encourage me, you know, and to help me produce a better song in the end. But that's one thing I think too that I, I just hear a lot of music sometimes, and sometimes I feel like I can't connect with it all the way. Even some of my earlier songs are a lot like this. I can't. I go back and listen. I can't connect with it all the way because I just feel like there's not a thorough message coming from it. A lot of it's just divided in different segments. Mm. And I really struggle with that. And that's where it's really helpful to bring in someone and get some feedback on the content and material of that. Yeah, totally. We were we were talking about business earlier before we hit the record thing and just how really when it, when it comes down to developing a product or a service or, or a business that becomes successful, it always most of the time, except for the ones who cheat <laughs> and who are greedy. Right. Uh, the ones who really are people of integrity, they're, they're, they're doing something that serves people. They're yeah. thinking about people. And so as I was hearing you talk, I just was thinking about how, you know, as artists, we need to find, like, there's a balance, I guess, with being true to yourself and being authentic and not being yeah. someone you aren't. But also, you know, getting out of your ego and thinking about the people who are going to be listening to it exactly. and serving them. Yeah. I think that is a really like fine line. And I don't know that there's quite a right or wrong on that mm. because there's just, just so much gray area, especially in Christian music yeah. of, am I here to serve a community or the listener or is the, is the listen like, and so, and if that's the case, do I cultivate the product for it's kind of a crass term, but the song yeah. or whatever to, towards their interest that already exist, or would they benefit from my artistic expression of what I'm, of what I'm generating? You know what I'm In saying? other words, do you? Yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought because maybe the listener doesn't know that they need it, 
<laughs> which sounds so egotistical, right? right. <laughs> and I'm not dare saying that I'd do that, but like there's some artists you listen to because they have a sound and you love their sound. You know what I'm saying? And you didn't know that maybe you needed it before you heard it. Right. Like yeah. I hadn't heard that sound or, or you know, it's just something because I I see that artist I'm like that artist musically has their own persona, you know, and I love that about them. And so there's there's part of that that is art, I think. You know, it's part of it is self-expression. Then there's other capacities where it's much more, um, not that it isn't art, but it's much more geared at serving a community or, you know, um, being able to be palatable to a certain kind of audience or whatever. So not that there's right or wrong, I think, in that capacity. It just yeah. depends on what, what your yeah. setting is and what you're called to. Yeah, I think an example might be as a corporate worship leader in a church, in a congregational sense, there's serving that congregation hmm. and thinking about all the people represented, thinking about all of that, you know. And then there's dressing up a song in the production side of things and making it packaged a certain way that a particular market on a radio mm-hmm. uh, station might hear it. Yeah, Those are two different kinds of serving do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think a lot of times, uh, especially for people who are artists or creatively minded, there's like this real tension that you have to be either or. Yeah. You know, you have to decide if you're going to be the pure artist or if you're going to, the pure artist will look at the other side and say they're sellouts. You know, they're right. they're just trying to be marketable and sell a product or whatever. And it's not really the case. I think it's it's where what you feel like God has, you know, where he has set you and what your goal is as a musician mm-hmm. or an artist, you know, I I kind of have tried to think about that because I kind of dance between that and the like Great Awakening, we have our own album and we have kind of our own sound. It's kind of an indie whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of that is not palatable to the place where I regularly lead worship. Mm. And so a lot of it I don't do. And I'm fine with that. Like yeah. I don't, I don't feel a a struggle in me that I'm not doing my own songs all the time. Right. You know, I feel like this community probably values this kind of sound more often. And so I want to give that to them because right here today, I'm functioning as a servant and a leader to this corporate worship experience. And I want to enable them to jump in and get in it with their heart. And whether or not they like my kind of artistic preference is not going to make or break me. It's just, a lot of it's just the season you're in and the context. Totally. So true, yeah. Yeah, uh, before we hit the record button, we were also talking about Christian music business and the CCM industry, and I, I guess, what was the question? You said, what do you think about that? Is that what you said? Yeah, I was just trying to fill you out on that. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, and uh, and I said, well, why don't we wait till we hit the record button so we can have something <laughs> interesting to, to, to give our listeners. Um, no, we did sort of talk about it a little bit. There's really, for me, I think what you just said kind of... Um, said it really well. You know, there's no right or wrong. I mean, I think you have you have to always think about the end. I mean, um, let me see. I'm trying to get my thoughts together here. Sure. I don't typically do, like, these kinds of interviews. Where I get to ask you the questions. Yeah. <laughs> this is about you, not me. <laughs> you did ask me beforehand, what do I think of the Christian music business? Is that what you said? Yeah. What do I think of the CCM industry? Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Christian music industry. Yeah. Christian music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, uh, I think it's for better or for worse. 
I think mm-hmm. that the whole, not just the Christian music industry, but the whole Christian retail industry, right, for better or for worse. How cool is it that we live in a country where we have the freedom to have an entire market where people are creating products and services and yeah. things that value is being exchanged, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty awesome. That's yeah. like never really happened in history, if you think about it. I, guess, I'm, I, don't, I don't know for sure. <laughs> I don't think in the early church they were creating Christian products and trying to find yeah, a place in Rome. Yeah, not if they wanted to, to keep their head. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, for better or for worse, though. Right. Um, yeah. Because people's lives do get changed by reading a Max Licato book or mm. by listening to a Stephen Curtis Chapman song or, you know, and we can go on and on. But sure. at the same time, I think that um, that there is a lot of good happening in, in, re, in, in maybe in reaction to some of the stereotypes mm. that people have probably put on CCM. Sure. There's a lot of great Christian music now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think, um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm totally with you. It's, it's like one of the, it is such a benefit. I think to a lot of this has to do with like your season in life too, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're, you know, the 30 year old mom or dad with kids and like, you don't have time to really explore <laughs> yeah. all the the uh, indie blog websites and all the, you know, check out all this music. You know, there's some elements of where you just need to, like, trust. It's it's helpful to have a tool like a Christian market that at least you know can have somewhat good content going into your kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there is, there's like, you know, there's a frustration also on the, the more creative types who are about pure, you know, pure artistry and yeah. expression that that those kind of gatekeepers, so to speak, won't allow other types of mm-hmm. of art into um into the discussion or on the airwaves or whatever. Yeah. And it almost seems to give kind of walls and models sometimes for uh this is what is appropriate if you want to do yeah. If you want to be marketable. That's right. And it, and that's not really true. You know, there's there's all kinds of different ways to market things, but and the, to add to that, the cool thing, though, that I that I would say is a very positive thing, is that we live in a time where those folks can go find outlets and platforms yeah. and ways to get their music heard. You know, a band um, that has a more indie sound that is really really pushing the envelope. Fifteen years ago, in the Christian music world, would have probably not had a chance. Yeah. Who knows? Right. I don't know. I'm just speculating that. But but now with what we have in terms of the internet and means of distribution and yeah you know it's just awesome and uh but k-love you know is a radio station that explicitly will tell you that their market is um uh 30 to 45 year old women probably moms who drive minivans Mm -hmm. and who need to get who need to just have something in the background that's encouraging them Mm -hmm. they need to have these really deep spiritual moments when they're trying to yeah <laughs> pass the the fast food back to the screaming kids you know what i mean sure. it's um and they'll unashamedly say that kind of thing i think yeah. about their market and I, I think like you know sometimes as christians especially christian musicians we'll like eat our own really quickly well you know and it's like there's so much content out there today that is by no means christian and terrible <laughs> yeah for people to f- pollute their minds with yep. and you know and so place tries to make it a place like Caleb tries to make it you know a sustainable business model so that it can keep going and helping yep. and encourage people and we just tear it up you know yeah. and uh it's all you're right I think I think it's almost like with the internet 
it's almost like the conver- it's not that big of a deal anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there is that perception of radio and whatever. That's this part is of it. Yeah. yeah. In the but, Christian music world, especially, radio is still very important in mm-hmm. terms of if you're wanting to have a career as an artist and a recording artist. Sure. You know, have a have a record deal, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, why don't we actually transition to the band? I would love to talk a little bit about that, the Great Awakening. Yep. You've already told us a little bit about how you got started and um, and what you guys have done. I I love your sound. Uh, should we should we play something now? Sure. All right, we can do that. Songs in Secret was the name of the last album. Yeah. We put it out in um, spring of 2011. Okay. Ooh, I like that drum part coming in there. It's been a while since I've heard this one. Because that's... I don't know if... I can't remember if you gave me a copy or if I downloaded it or, or what. But oh, no. My wife loves it. She awesome. has She has it in her car and she only has a CD player. Huh. So, because we got the hard copy. And um, we only have a few things in our car. <laughs> This is one of them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. Um, how did you guys... I was going to ask how, how you guys approached writing this particular record. I haven't, I didn't hear the first one. I never heard the first one. Yeah. Uh, so the first one um, is called Cities. And it um, it was almost all... It, it was all uh, kind of born in the youth group where we were at the time. And we start... When we first started together... And it's really kind of... Um, uh, fun to go back and listen to it because it's so reflective of exactly what like God was doing in us as individuals at the time and in the youth group. We really experienced a really sweet time of like growth in the youth group and outreach and people were coming to the Lord and it was an awesome wow. a really encouraging thing to have in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this it, it's almost uh, like a in a weird way, it's kind of like a tribute to what the Lord was doing in our lives at that time. And it was through that album that we met um, Chad Johnson at Come and Live. And then uh, we ended up making one more, Songs in Secret. And this one was uh, really special to us. We like we entered into kind of like a six-month to a year time of intentionally going after songwriting together. Mm. And that usually looked like... Um, me and Cole Johnson, who are the main two songwriters in the group, we will come up with ideas and just start 
bounce them off each other and sometimes we'll complete each other's songs or you know scratch each other's songs or whatever and uh so that's pretty much how this album started getting formed uh started getting formed yeah was formed (laughs) all good man yeah that's great and um the dynamic of bands that write together is always so fascinating to me Mm. um i was in a band for a number of years and i was the primary songwriter Mm. and um but i would try to do co-writing with some of the other guys but there was always this um thing where i really would kind of put bands like U2 really up high on a pedestal because they would literally come together and from scratch nothing nothing even in terms of an idea right and they would come up with songs together yeah and i think there's probably a couple times on this album where um you know especially tanner uh johnson who's our drummer he he would give us a group like on this song right this one kind of happened in the studio all together Wow. There was just a general, that little guitar riff at the top of Maranatha. Mm-hmm. I had that, and I had no chorus, no verse, no bridge. And uh, our, the guy who was helping produce our album, Elijah Mosley, really pushed us you know, to like get alone and finish this thing. And we finished it in studio, and Tanner just like cranked out that beat, and it was just, it just gave a whole different feel to the song. And so even in this one, it kind of helped form where the chorus would go. Mm-hmm. It kind of had a, natu- a natural progression into it. The verses, it gave it like a, some borders of what I could do lyrically. Mm-hmm. So I think, man, God creates all of us with like that creative spark, right? It's just part of being made in the image of God. Yeah. Is that we, every human has some sort of creativity inside of them. And the more you can bring in different, you know, aspects of that. I think the more you potential you have to really benefit from it because it's just another reflection of God's image in another person and the creativity of that coming out. When it starts mixing, I think there's a lot of of cool things that can happen. That's great. When you come near, this man is always changed when you draw near. When you draw near And the land is seen The bed under your feet The earth is dead This is better under your feet What's that? What was that like? So that was really cool We just grabbed uh, whoever was around the studio <laughs> So there's a couple of our band members It was my wife Natalie who was not my wife then mm-hmm. and um, a guy who was working some maintenance on the studio helped us out oh cool and a friend who got in touch with us through the internet was like hey I want to come see you guys I live near where you're recording so he came in a music fan yeah okay and uh, he's actually become a really great friend he's a great songwriter uh, Caleb Cordes but cool. there's probably about seven or eight people and um, we just did a couple takes of it it was really cool. We uh, we were writing the the little falsetto kind of lick mm-hmm. together in a room. There's about four of us, and I sang it, and they sang it with me. And we were like, "Whoa, that sounds way cooler," <laughs> you know, with a bunch of voices doing the <laughs> yeah. part. And uh, so we're like, "We just got to get a bunch of people to do it." So we just grabbed whoever we could and grabbed, threw them in a room and recorded it. Like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, this was with Come and Live officially. Yes. Yeah. 
sort of. <laughs> come, it, it depends on what officially means, but Come and Live right, right. is more of a, um, it's not a record label per se. It's more of a, a collaborative organization that different artists are a part of. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we did it and Come and Live sponsored it and put it on their website and um, gave us some promotion and stuff. But just as as artists, we've committed ourselves to working with Come and Live. So, yeah, we uh, we decided to put the Come and Live name on it. We love Chad Johnson and all that they're doing there. And yeah, so. it's really intriguing that yeah I said earlier just the musicianary thing. Can you speak a little bit to that? I mean, are you sure? Um, yeah. Sure, Come and Live um, started oh uh, eight or oh nine. I don't know. God was doing some stuff in um, the founder Chad's heart where he just wanted to work with artists that were about um, loving God with their music and loving people with it and weren't necessarily interested in the current financial model of how albums get sold and distributed and things like that. And uh, so there was a small group of bands, and it's it's grown quite a lot since then, but um, basically it's just bands that are committed to give their music away for free. You know, and um, and let it minister to people and let people um, encounter the Lord through it. But that it's that's kind of what happened. It's just a pretty, I guess, a group of ten or so ministry-minded bands that wanted to uh, present their music to a broader audience, but take away that. And um, like different bands inside of Come and Live. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, I realized my mic wasn't on when I asked you that. Yeah, you may want to ask it again. <laughs> That's why I had a hard time hearing you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, yeah, um, there were those other bands that were part of Come and Live, did you guys tour together? Did you? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Ascend the Hill, one of my favorite bands. Yeah, and we so toured awesome. with Ascend the Hill um, 2011. I think it was 2011 in the summer. And uh, yeah, so part of the Come and Live thing is just there's such friendship there. You start to get to know a couple other bands, and man, they're all you're all kind of trying to do the same thing, have a, have the same kind of aspirations with your music, and so there's a like-heartedness. So it makes a lot of sense to go tour together, <laughs> because you know, if you have the same model of how you give away, how you distribute your music, and uh, then how you deal with worship nights and times together yeah. in front of people, it it makes for a smooth transition. Plus. Uh, you just make some really great friends. So it's not a thing where you have to, but we, we chose to. Uh, and Ascend the Hill was kind enough to take us out with them. And they were, uh, there's Joel and those guys are just great friends of ours. That's great. That's an awesome, awesome model. Um, what do you see in the future for you guys? Man, uh, right now we, uh, me and Cole especially, are kind of still getting our legs under us. We're both newly married. Uh, Cole more newly married than I, but, um, and so we're just taking it easy and adjusting to living with another person. (laughs) There's that whole thing and I guess it's a biblical principle where you don't go to war for a year. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes (laughs) a lot of sense because sometimes songwriting feels like that. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so that's, that's really, we don't have any, um, hard set dates or anything. I know we've talked and. I think we'd like to do another album at some point, uh, but it's just the Lord's got to make all the stars align for us. Yeah. So. 
Dude, this has been awesome having you in today, man. Man, I appreciate it. I uh, am excited about our own friendship as well. I mean, there's a lot of other things we could talk about. Have, have you ever heard of um, the Strengths Finder assessment? Uh-uh. I'm just now thinking of this. Is it one of those personality test things? Uh, not really a personality test. Okay. It's kind of like one. Mm-hmm. I might have mentioned this on the podcast. I don't remember. For those of you who have heard me talk about this. Um, so I'm just thinking of this because you and I probably share one of those uh, strengths. Um, so there's like 30, I think it's 34 different strengths. The Gallup poll did this, all this research on on um, different strengths that people have. And they call them innate talents, talents mm-hmm. that are innately a part of you. And um, and then they get, after the questions, I guess there's an assessment you do. And at the end of it, they they tell you what your top five are. And the whole point is like you should be spending time on your strengths and not your weaknesses because I think in our culture we have this sort of you know, Rudy Rudiger, you know, uh, underdog, sort of mm-hmm. everybody wants to see the people that are weak at something really do awesome. And yeah. um, anyway, I won't go into the whole book thing, but I was just thinking like there's this one that's called intellection, which is this idea that you're very content to sit and sort of philosophize and talk and think <laughs> and you probably write in your journal and things like that. And I feel like we share that probably. So I would love it if you if you end up doing that, let me know what your top five are. But we share awesome. share that one at least. So. Yeah, most likely. So, okay, where can folks go to find out about the band? Sure. We're on Facebook and Twitter and all the normal social media feeds. You can also go to comeandlive.com's website, and um, you can find us there and get a free download of our al- both of our album, Cities and Songs in Secret. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, fantastic. Great. For those of you um, listening to this, you can head over to christianmusicblog.com forward slash session 44, and uh, you can get all the show notes there, different links for Great Awakening and and for... Our, now, are you on Twitter on your own? Yep. Just Zach Janus. Do you want people to follow you or not? Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind followers. That's why we tweet, right? That's why we tweet. It's kind of funny. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, head over there at christianmusicblog.com slash session 44. And um, I'll have links to all these different things and a few other stuff that we discussed today. And um, again, if you're checking out our podcast for the first time today, please be sure to drop by christianmusicblog.com slash gift. And um, we talked about Evernote earlier. And um, Evernote is is a fantastic way to organize your, your songwriting process. And so I have a whole um, guide there that you can download for free and, and a, a little audio thing that goes with it. And um, that gets you signed up for our newsletter as well. So com slash gift. Well, that's it for this week's episode. So thanks for coming on again, Zach. Appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, man. We're going to go out with um, Explore. It's the uh, first track of Great Awakening, the Songs and Secret album. So we'll see you guys next week. Here's uh, I'm excited to go out with this song. It's a great song. And um, yeah, see you next week. Spending my life on you There's nothing to lose Can I
thank you for listening to the CMB Podcast. For more valuable content, including helpful articles and video, visit christianmusicblog.com.